So today, we're continuing our series, Kingdom Come. And so we've been working our way, well, we've been working our way very slowly through Isaiah 61. Uh, and just starting to unpack our understanding of what God's kingdom looks like through that. Because we know that something that God calls us all to as his people, every single one of us, is to seek his kingdom, to make it a priority of something we're seeking in our everyday lives. So today, we're moving on to the bit of the passage where it says, we are sent to bind up the brokenhearted. Okay, so the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, upon you, because he has anointed us to bring good news. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. And kind of how we're unpacking that is actually God is a God of healing. God wants, when God's kingdom comes, healing comes, okay? When we get to uh, heaven, there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering, okay? And so, just this morning, we just want to spend a little bit of time just, just unpacking that. So if you've got your Bibles, can you open to 2 Kings, open 2 Kings 5, verse 1 to 14? My mum pointed out to me yesterday, it's not very often that when we're looking at healing or something, that we actually turn to the Old Testament, is it? Quite often, we're focused on the, the Gospels and the accounts from them. So this is an account of a man called Naaman, who's a Syrian man, and actually, he, had, he was a general in the Syrian army, and had led attacks and raids against Israel. Now it appears at, the point, at this point in the story, there's like a tenuous truce, a bit anxious, but between the Israelites and the Syrians. But we, we, we know from the story that Naaman is not a follower of God. And actually, he wouldn't have had access, even if he was in the temple, to God's presence, would he? He, would have, he wouldn't have been allowed in there because he would have been classed as a Gentile. So it says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favour, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. So that's just a term, I think Sam said the other week, for skin disease. It could be any number of different skin diseases that he had. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. What's also important to note is that there was no way of recovering from leprosy in in of yourself. It's just a disease where it would just get worse and get worse, and your body would get more and more disfigured, or maybe potentially kids might like this, fingers might fall off, and things like that. And And so actually, and people thought it was really contagious. So actually, if you had leprosy, you were usually put out from among your community. So from those, as we were singing out this morning, sin separated us from God. Leprosy is a little bit like that in terms of it separated you from those that you love around you. And there was no way back in of yourself, back into that community. So I'm going from verse 2 now. And now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went. 
taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. He was prepared to pay a price for his healing. He was prepared to pay a price for being set free. And he brought a letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So the king thought, it's impossible. I, I can't cure this man of leprosy. Why has he come to me? Surely this, this Syrian king is trying to, trying to put an end to our truce and trying to cause me to have to go to battle with him. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God. He'd wave his hand over a place and cure the leper. Allah Abana and Farfar, Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So he was really angry. He'd gone all that way because something that a little servant girl had said to him, and yet when his expectations of how the healing might take place were different, it angered him. He was willing to pay this big price for his healing, of giving all these wonderful gifts. But he wasn't willing to do it God's way. But his servants came near to him and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So they're emphasising the fact that actually it's really simple what God has said to you to do. It's not, it's not a big thing God's asking of you to do really. He's just actually asked you to wash somewhere in a river that's now nearby seven times. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, I was wondering if I could have a helper here for a second. Ezra, do you want to come and help me? Because I can see you peering around the corner of me. Can you go and give one of these to each child? It's basically just a drawing of a person on both sides. And what I'd like you to do is if you can on one side draw a sad face because this is a picture of Naaman and he was sad, wasn't he? Because he was a leper. He was sad because he was unwell and there was something wrong with him. And maybe you can put lots of dots or something all over him to represent the fact that he was unwell and that he had something wrong with his skin. And then on the other side... You can draw a happy face. 
because God has healed him and made him well. And maybe even there might be things that are making you sad right now. And maybe you could write those things on the sad side. Things that you want God, thank you very much, things that you want God to move in. And maybe you have things where you have prayed and God has moved and you can write those on the happy side. So here we find a little girl, a little servant girl. The Bible is very precise. It is a, a, a young slave. <laughs> you forgot yourself. Good boy. Okay. She had been taken into captivity by Naaman. So she could have been angry, she could have been frustrated. If you had been taken away from your parents, you probably would be angry, frustrated, probably be scared. Okay? And yet she saw a need where she was. So a bit in the series that we've recently done, we were talking about the place where you are, how do you meet the need that is there with what's in your hands? And that's what this little girl was doing. And it, we could probably surmise from the story that she was probably quite happy there because she probably wouldn't have wanted to help if she wasn't. So she probably actually was being well looked after and maybe had settled. So she was a slave in Naaman's wife. I can imagine she probably had a battle going on in her mind. Because I know that I would have. I know that God is capable of healing. I know that God is a healing God. But sometimes stepping out and saying that to someone can be a bit, of a, a bit of a struggle, can't it? It can take faith, it can take courage. But also for her, being a slave girl and being really young, talking to an adult, would she have been taken seriously? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> would she have been taken seriously? Would there have been bad repercussions if she spoke up and actually Naaman explored the possibility of going to see this prophet and nothing happening? Like, would she, could, could she have been disciplined? Or, or could there, there's so many different things that could have gone, gone wrong in this story. But what you see is this little girl actually saying, actually, I know God, my God can do something about this situation. And so she acted on it. Maybe sometimes we think we're too young or too old, too busy, or what if we get it wrong, or it's not my place to speak up in that situation, and that can hold us back from actually speaking about God to people, and about who we think God is, and what his kingdom looks like, and how God wants his kingdom to come. I think it's because her faith in God the things that she'd seen God do before, through God's anointed, through the prophet, that made her believe all things are possible with God. And Naaman, who had this leprosy, which was impossible by human to be dealt with, to be cleansed, to be taken away, she knew God could do it. So it took her courage as a young slave girl to speak out to an adult. But she also did it I would think, in a gracious, loving way. 
the way it was received, I don't think she did it in like, oh, I know better than you. I think she did it in a way which was actually appropriate, probably, for her role as a slave and speaking to her mistress. Today, we can be courageous in stepping out because Jesus the King has come. He now lives in each side, each one of us. So we know that, that the reason why Elisha could speak the words of God was because God's spirit was upon him and in him. He was anointed by God and his spirit. And actually we, dear brothers and sisters, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, if we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that's at work in Elisha, is at work in us. And God says, seek first my kingdom. Be proactive. So here in this passage in Isaiah 61, it says, I send you to bind up the brokenhearted. It's not a passive thing. If we're being sent by something, it's something we're commissioned in. And something that struck me recently is the fact that when Jesus speaks and Jesus acts, he says, I do not do it on my own authority, but my Father who dwells in me does his works. And you ought to do the same works as me and greater still. What Jesus is saying is, that the Father now dwells in us through the Spirit. And that we're not meant to be going off in these things, doing this, doing healing people in our own authority. But actually, because the Father is in us, we can see breakthrough in these situations. He even says that the Holy Spirit, who comes to guide us into all truth, to lead us into all truth, to magnify Jesus, to reveal to us the things that are to come, does not speak to us in his own authority. But he only says to us what he hears. So there's this intimacy. There's, if we want to see God's kingdom come, there's this connection between us being dependent upon the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. How do we grow in that? We spend unhurried time with him, don't we? As we were talking about last week. But it's not just something we do on our own. We actually grow in it as a community together. You see, this, is, this passage doesn't talk about Going back to the Isaiah one, just one person being sent. Yes, Jesus is the ultimate fulfilment of Isaiah 61, but that mandate has been passed on to us. We are anointed with the same Holy Spirit, and we are sent, we are commissioned to go and to bring God's kingdom, to seek first his kingdom. Healing is by God's grace alone. It's not something we can do in of ourselves, but we are to humbly follow him. To humbly follow his lead. Let's not forget the servants. So Naaman nearly missed out on his healing because God wasn't going to do it in the way that he wanted. God wanted... God wanted... Naaman wanted God, in essence, to honour him. He was like, right, the prophet needs to come out to me the prophet needs to call on the name of God over me, wave his hands over my body, over my skin, so that I will get healed in this bold way and I can go and tell everyone this wonderful, great thing that God has done. Making me clean, me, this valiant man, this warrior. And yet God has a way of humbling us, doesn't he? God has a way of humbling us, but in a loving way and in a caring way. But in a way that causes us to grow. 
in a way that draws us closer to him. Because we see at the, the end of the account, and this is slightly after where we read up to, that Naaman goes back to the prophet and says, I want to follow your God. I want to follow him. Please, can you, when, when I go back home and when, I, when I'm with the king and I've got to go into the temple of our gods, of my, the gods of my people, and I've got to bow down, please, please forgive me. My heart's not in that anymore. I've got to do it. I've got to do it or I'll be cast out, but please forgive me. And Elisha says, go in peace. I wonder if it had been done the way he wanted if his heart would have been changed in that same way. It might have done, but it might not have done. We see so often, actually, don't we, that people get healed of different things, and we, we, we almost build healing up to this special thing where if someone gets healed, they're going to put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, but that's not the case. It doesn't always happen that way, does it? But we can trust that God is in control. God is a God of love, and he wants to show his love to people. So, Naaman's servants... So this is important, okay? This is the community that Naaman had chosen to surround himself with, okay, on this journey. The people that he'd... See, servants, my understanding of this is, could be wrong, I'm, I'm not a historian, but, but from films at least, it would appear that there, there was, the choice of servants was very specific. And if you didn't like a servant, you'd get rid of them or move them down. So if Naaman had specific servants with him, there'd be servants that he'd like, servants that he chose to have around him. And it's because of his servants saying to him, actually, this is a simple thing God is asking of you. It's a simple thing to do. Come on, just, just do it. What, what have you got to lose? Come on, just do it. And actually, we need to be like that of each other. You know, God doesn't speak to us on our own, in a vacuum, expect us to go and do things on, our, on ourselves. When Jesus sends out the disciples, he sends them out in pairs. Okay? The Bible talks about God's wonderful church in such beautiful language that talks about us being a community. It talks about the body doesn't, doesn't have, the body doesn't work right if one part's going off doing its own thing on its own. But it needs us all to work together. Going back to what we were looking at leading to the summer and over the summer, it was a faith, we're to be a faith adventuring community. Not the ones, not the twos, but a people where together... We're seeking God and his kingdom, seeking to show his love to those around us. And we need help sometimes. We need encouragement sometimes to step out and do what God has for us. And that's really important because if Naaman didn't have that community around him, he wouldn't have been healed. And so there's, there's kind of the two key, I guess, groups of people, characters that I pick up in the story, is that the little girl had nothing in some respects to do with uh, healing taking place when it did, how it did, or anything like that. She didn't even, as far as we're aware, she didn't even pray or anything like that. But if this little girl, little servant, hadn't been brave enough to speak about the king to her mistress, no man wouldn't have been healed. So there's times where actually what God is calling us to do is just to speak out. 
times where God is just calling us to tell people about who Jesus is, what he's capable of, what he's done. And that's really valid, and that's really good. And there's times where we've got to be like the servants, and we've got to encourage one another along the way. We've got to help one another along the way. We've got to stand with one another. And if we see someone going off, of course, we've got to correct each other in love. I'm trying to think what that, is it a proverb or a psalm or something where it says, is it the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy? Something like that. But, but like actually, it's better that sometimes we might come across as having to correct something in love and steer someone along the right path than be like, oh, I feel a bit bad stepping in that situation and I feel like I'm overstepping the mark and not stepping into help. But we do this in love and in community. Matthew 8, 16 to 17 says this. This is talking about Jesus. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He, Jesus, took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the king. It's his kingdom we are seeking. It's in his strength, in his power, through his anointing that we bind up the broken brokenhearted. It's him who takes our illnesses, who bears our diseases. Our faith is in him. It's him that we turn to. It's him that we follow. It's his kingdom we declare and pray for. And it's Jesus who gets the glory at the end of it. It's Jesus who gets the glory. You notice at the end of the story of Naaman, actually, like I say, he, he turns his life around to follow God. He's not suddenly devoting himself to Elisha as a prophet or to the little girl or to his servants that all helped along the way. They were all instruments of God. But it's God that gets the glory. As Carrie was sharing last week, she shared about how community is so important and how she was having a hard, tough week. And yet, at, at specific moments where she needed it most, she had texts from Matt. Um, I happened to be gardening around her house, offered to pray for her. Caroline came to pick up the iron, I believe, prayed for her. And actually, where she said she was feeling, I'm presumably still okay to say since she shared it publicly <laughs> last week, but where she was feeling, I guess, almost so pressured and stressed she was feeling sick and she had a parents evening and evening and I know that when I prayed for her I said God let there be a dynamic difference by the time she's there in the evening she was better weren't you? yep you were better amazing testimonies I've seen this week so yesterday I took Ezra to judo and Steph was there and she hurt her neck the other day and when I sat next to her, Judo talking to her, she's like, I'm really sorry, Pete, that I can't look at you when I'm talking to you, but I can't move my neck, it's too painful. Okay? This was in the middle of a competition, there were parents surrounding us, and I had that question going, that, that battle, probably a bit like what the servant girl had, do I offer 
see, the great thing is, I don't have to send Steph to find a prophet somewhere. Because we are all anointed by Jesus to seek his kingdom come, okay? And so I prayed for her right there and then, a really quick, simple prayer. God, let your kingdom come, heals Steph's neck. Okay, it didn't get 100% better, but it was better enough that she went from not even being able to send to the side that she could play tennis for two hours in the afternoon. God is good, okay? That's God moving, that's his kingdom coming. He gets the glory for that. As Lou said, amen, praise him. We get excited about God moving because God is glorious and he is mighty. He's worthy of all praise. And as we get excited about what he does, he gets the glory. It's not because I prayed a prayer. In fact, I know that her growth group were praying as well. It might be my prayer, did nothing in of itself, and her growth group did it. It doesn't matter. What matters is God hears our prayers. It says the prayers of the righteous. We are righteous, brothers and sisters, if we trust in Jesus, because of his blood shed for us. We are now covered in his blood. As Mike said last week, there's forgiveness of sins because of the shedding of the blood of Christ Jesus for us. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. When we pray, we expect things to shift and things to move. So Phil Styles isn't here today, but he shared with us at Growth Group uh, on Thursday that he had arthritis in his thumb. And before Christmas, he got us to pray as a growth group for his thumb. Then he had to have physio for his thumb, uh, and then he was meant to go back in January to have physio for his farm. And it wasn't until this week where he realised, I didn't book to go back to physio, and I've not had any pain f- across for at least a few weeks in my farm. And he's moving it, and there's, there's, there's no pain. There's no, like, there's, no, there's no sense that there's any arthritis left in there right now. God is good. We prayed, he is faithful, he moved. Sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's later on, sometimes we don't see healing fully come here and now. We know the kingdom is now and the kingdom is not yet. But I think the way that scripture instructs us, what God calls us to, is to seek my kingdom now. Okay? To seek it now. Interestingly, Elisha, there was, um, I think in the chapter before, there's a widow. Not a widow, she wasn't a widow, that's just, yes, there is that in the chapter before. But there's a Shumanite woman, and as he's passing by, the Shumanite woman, he, she invites him in to stay, and eventually she builds a little house on her own roof for him, and so that whenever he goes there, he can stay. And he's like, I want to bless this woman, how can I bless her? He sends his servant down to speak to her, and she says, There's nothing I want. And the servant reports back, and Elisha says to, her, says to the servant, but, but surely there's something. And he's like, yeah, she doesn't have children. She'd love to have a child. So Elisha uh, goes and says to her, this time next year you'll have a baby. And she's like, no, no I won't, no, this isn't going to happen. And yet, this time next year, she had a baby. Then a few years later, sadly, the boy got ill and dies. The Shumite woman runs off doesn't even tell her husband, I don't think, from the account of the story that he's dead. She's like, all is well, I'm just going to run off and find a prophet. Goes and finds him. God hides from Elisha what's happened and what's going on. He doesn't reveal to him in that situation. Okay, I think this is important because even though I keep 
really pressing hard the fact that we are to hear what God is doing and we are to respond in faith, sometimes God also delights us to step out thinking, actually, this is something I think God wants to do even if we haven't heard him specifically speak into it. Okay? And so, Elisha ends up going back and sends his servant off ahead to lay his staff on the boy. Doesn't work. Nothing happens. Elisha goes, prays, spends time pacing around, then lies down on the boy, like hand to hand, face to face, mouth to mouth. And the boy's skin warms up and he comes back to life. So from the way the story's written, the account's written, it makes me feel like Elisha didn't actually know what to do in that situation. <laughs> but what he did was he prayed, and he prayed faithfully until he saw God move. And what's interesting, I think, is the fact that he... I think a lot of the time we pray, and we don't see anything happen, and we stop. And we think, okay, that's it, God doesn't want to do something. But I think a lot of the time, God likes to make it obvious to us when he doesn't want to do something. So take Paul. He says, I prayed three times that the fall in my flesh, whether that was to do with persecution, whether it was to do with sickness or whatever it was, he prayed three times to the Lord that he be taken away. And God said to him, I'm not taking it away. It is there for this reason and this purpose. And Paul's like, okay, I understand that. That's good. I'm not going to pray anymore. Did Paul stop praying after time one when he didn't hear anything? No. After time two? No. After time three, when he understood that God wasn't going to move there, he stopped. Maybe sometimes we stop after time two, three, four, five, and we think, okay, God just doesn't want to do that. But if we're coming before our loving Father, we can be sure that he will lead us and he will guide us. Okay? If there's something that's burning on your heart that you want to see God move in, God do, and you're feeling like giving up, God just doesn't want to do it, you could just ask him. God, is this something you want me to keep pressing into? God, come and speak to me. You know, God is a good God and he works all things out for the good of those that love him. He's not going to have you continually pressing onto something and giving yourself to something if he's not going to bring good out of it. Our God is a good God and he is a God who heals. And I don't know if we're just talking about it more, but it feels like to me that we're slowly getting a more consistent trickle of good news stories, of God moving and people being healed. Okay, this is something we're pursuing as a church. We feel that God's spoken to us as a church about this. And it just feels like, it feels like we're at the beginning. It feels like we're at the start, but it feels like God is in this and God is moving. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And yes, we're not going to see everyone healed now. But we can make sure everyone is loved and we can be faithful with what God has given us. Which is the anointing of his spirit to see his kingdom come in love. To speak up where we need to speak about Jesus. To use what he's put in our hands. So I just... Is there, is there anyone now that that would like prayer for healing for anything. Um, could I just share a couple of words of knowledge? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. During the worship, I just felt like God highlighted a couple of things to me. Um, the first one uh, was the what, the line in the song, 
um, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I've heard that God was actually saying to me, there is somebody here who's having a lot of pain in night. They're not sleeping properly. They're really struggling with that pain. Um, and I felt that God wants to say there is joy in the morning. Please get prayer for that. Um, and the second thing, um, much later on in worship, uh, was the line, with every breath that I am able. And I felt that God was saying, actually, there's somebody here who is having breathing problems. And again, he wants you to get prayer for that. That is something he can heal and that is something he wants you to get prayer for. Mm, really good. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Has anyone else got anything that they feel like God wants to, to move upon today? And God not only wants to heal people, okay, but God wants his kingdom come. So if in a way where you meet the king, where you know the king, where you become part of his family. Okay, so if, what we've been sharing this morning as well, if your heart's been being stirred, and you're just like, Jesus, I don't, I don't feel like I know you, but I want to know you, or I want to find out more. Um, today's a great opportunity to respond to that. Okay, today's a great time just to say, Jesus, I, I want to know you more. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to follow you. Um, and so if you respond to what Anna was sharing, what I just shared then, or if put your hands up if you would like prayer for healing right now. So quite a number of people. So can you put your hand up if you are responding to any of the above as well, not just the prayer for healing bit I just said. As in... Oh, everyone keep your hands up. That's why I'm being confusing. Somehow I'm confusing. So if you want prayer for healing, put your hand up. But also, if you're specifically responding to Anna's word, put your hands up now as well. Just so we can see everyone at these particular gatherings, basically. And if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, put your hand up. Okay, great. So can